the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to continue in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 to verse 11. But I'm going to back up and uh, start with Philippians 3.8. Philippians Chapter 3, verse 8 says, Yes, furthermore, Paul speaking to the, in his letter to the Philippians, Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake, I have lost everything, and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ the Anointed. We talked about this a little bit last week. Jesus is the pearl of great price, which is attained when we're willing to lay everything else aside and embrace it. In the parable, to sell all that we may have, that we may attain that which is of greater worth than all that we possess, and in reality, all that we could ever get together to purchase Him. He would be a pearl that we could never, ever afford if He were the pearl of great price, It would have to be gifted to us, wouldn't it? Could we ever really afford Him? We didn't afford Him. He gave Himself to us. The question we ask is, what could compare with Him? And we, uh, there's been many a sermon built on what do you compare with the value, the surpassing value of having Jesus. But you know what? Most of us can see the value of salvation in eternity. And having Jesus is that value. But the priceless privilege of knowing Him is far greater. Because He is what makes eternity heaven. Knowing Him is the prize. Having Him is the means to the end. But you know what? When we listen to those sermons say, What could I compare Him to? I want to tell you something that the majority of Christians who have walked through this life knowing about Him, knowing that they have eternal salvation, couldn't begin to estimate because they don't know the value of knowing Him. How could you know His great surpassing value if you have not walked 
with him, if you've not been intimate with him. Paul, in this, these verses, begins to tell you what he believes to be the great, of the greatest value. And it's based on his personal experience. It's been progressive for him. He's grown in his love and his desire for the Lord. There's a passion that is spoke of in this. Paul is using accounting terms to convey the accuracy of his conclusion. It's not speculation. He's speaking from from personal experience. And Paul is comparing what would be the highest and the best that the world could offer with the surpassing worth of an ongoing relationship with Jesus, the, the passionate pursuit of intimacy with Him. You'll see him use the word knowing several times. And it's purposely contrasted to what we call knowing about. The picture here is, is in this verse is someone stripping away every encumbrance in order to be free to run faster and harder toward the goal of knowing Him. To put everything aside so that I can just, I can focus and I can pursue Him. Now, that's not a monastic dedication. That is a passionate pursuit that incorporates all of life to know Him. The family, the job, everything. Everything becomes a building block. Everything becomes part of knowing Him. But if knowing Him is not the goal, then these things, you will find them empty. The pursuit of these things will be in vain. They become rubbish for us. We collect rubbish. The things he valued most in life he now calls rubbish. And we collect rubbish, don't we? Where do we collect that? We collect it up here. When we begin to see the things of this world and the things of men and we begin to go after those things for identity or we go after those things to, to, to bring value to our lives or significance to our life, we're collecting rubbish. We're using a worldly template to tell us what is of value. And those become our pursuit. And here's the thing I see so often in in people's lives is they are begging God to add to them these things to make life meaningful. Bring me the rubbish. I need the rubbish. Paul says, I've cast it all away. And this collects in the mind. It starts with you seeing something out there in the world and saying, this is of value. I need this. And what rubbish does is it begins to infect the mind because it becomes your focus. And then you begin to sell all that you have in order to attain it. Does that sound familiar? And now God becomes part of the equation for the Christian. God becomes part of the equation to attain what we believe is the goal of life. But the goal of life is not in what we attain. It's in a person, the person of Christ himself. You see, what we need as Christians is a determination to know him. To know him, to live in the pursuit of knowing him is to begin to clear the rubbish from our minds. As Jesus did in the temple. You remember the story in Matthew Chapter 21, verses 12 through 14. It says, And Jesus went into the temple, the whole temple enclosure, and drove out all who bought and sold in the sacred place. And he turned over the four-footed tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who sold doves. And he said to them, The scripture says, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. 
And the blind and the lame came to him in the porches and the courts of the temple, and he cured them. In these verses we see God's intention for your soul. It is to be called a house of prayer. The soul's purpose is for worship. The soul is meant for the practice and the expression of truth. You see, in the in this place, the temple, the people had collected in this sacred place all manner of vendors who were corrupting the purpose of the temple. The purpose of the soul is to worship and experientially know Him. That's where we experientially know life, is through the mind, will, and emotions, isn't it? That's where we understand, reason, and think through all that we experience. The soul is the place where we experientially know Him. It is where we develop appetites for the things around us or for Him. And when we develop appetites for things other than God, we corrupt the purpose of the soul. That's when we have conflict and confusion. You know, when I talk to people in this situation who come in with conflict and confusion, I know immediately that the problem is not the problem. The goal of their life has become something other than Jesus. And the frustration and the despair is that they cannot attain enough control over their circumstance or situation in order to have the goal which would give them value in their minds, in their hearts. So therefore, because they can't, they despair, they're depressed, their lives seem out of control. All the while misinterpreting the true need of the soul. The soul never gets value through externals. The soul is a place of expression, and that expression is to be worship. It was the heart of the Father that Jesus be allowed to clear them out. In this picture, you see the righteous anger of God against those who would pervert that which was set aside for prayer and worship. You see that in Jesus. In John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, Then to those who sold the doves, he said, Take these things away out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise, a marketplace, a sales shop. And his disciples remembered that it is written in the Holy Scriptures, Zeal, the fervor of love for your house will eat me up. I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. Do you see that zeal and that that love and that passion for his father's house, for his father, is not diminished in you? His desire to possess your soul, for you to be consumed with his passion, to know him, is there. But you have to choose against the rubbish. It is Jesus who clears it, but you have to choose Him. You have to choose to know Him. John chapter 2, 16 and 17 gives us a clear picture of Jesus' passion for the Father. This passion or zeal is still within you. It should be your desire to free yourself of every encumbrance to the soul in your pursuit to know him let passion or zeal his passion or zeal consume you I love the fact that in the scripture they go from his anger and from his his uh, righteous indignation and his passion to get these these things out of the out of the temple directly to the healing in the courts 
And here's the truth of it, guys. If you will change your determination, if your determination is towards anything other than Christ, if you will pull your focus towards Him first, and allow Him to start clearing the rubbish out of your life, He will bring healing to your soul. He will bring healing to your soul because He will begin to allow your soul, your soul will begin to operate the way God designed it to operate. That is the place where you experience the peace that passes all understanding. The place where you experience the truth of our Savior. The place where you experience who He is and begin to know Him in the way He wants to be known. And listen, we're going to talk more about this, but knowing Him is more than salvation. Because what we're talking about is not knowing Him in the Spirit. When you receive Him, you know Him. He's there. Right? He's there. Most all of you here I recognize as being Christians, you have Him in your spirit. You are one with Him. You are in union with Him. Then what is Paul talking about? Knowing Him. Because here's the context. It's progressive. It's passionate. It's a determination. It's a seeking. It's a desire. It is the apex of his his life to seek him. Philippians 3.9 Paul writes, And that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands or ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus attained or acquired, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ the Anointed One, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Paul says that I might be known as in Him. Not just know Him, but that I might be known as in Him. He's saying, I have cast off everything that I once valued as worthless so that I may know more of Him. And as a result of this ongoing relationship, this passionate pursuit of intimacy with Christ, there may be an outward manifestation of His life. An outward manifestation of this union. Not just in the words, but in the living. My life will be found in Him. And what this is, is basically Galatians 2.20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Being clothed in His righteousness, not in the fig leaves of man's self-worth, but in the sacrificial covering of the slain Lamb. That is what we're covered in. We no longer hide in fear as Adam and Eve did in the garden, but we rush into His arms, not fearing rejection because we have been washed clean and we wear the robes of righteousness and we're fully accepted by Him. But notice this, we run to Him. There is a passion in us. There is a desire to know Him. And listen, I don't care how passive you may think you have become. I don't care how settled you become in your theology or your belief system. I don't care whether you think you've got it all figured out and you're resting in that. The bottom line is that if you're resting in what you know, you are not satisfied. And you never will be. You never will be. 
This knowing that Paul's talking about is consuming him. He desires to know more. The words in him speak of our union with Christ. We've been clothed with Christ who is the righteousness of God. Galatians 3 verses 26 and 27 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into a spiritual union and communion with Christ the Anointed One, the Messiah, have put on, clothed yourselves with Christ. We are in an unbreakable covenant of oneness and identity. That is who we are. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, that we ought to be approved and acceptable in right relationship with him by his goodness. That is what we are to be. Paul says that I want to be found in him alone, not standing in anything that I could make of myself. Paul is stating that he is secure in Christ, and then we come to Philippians 3.10. For my determined purpose, determined purpose, is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Doesn't Paul know him? Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly, this man saw him in a vision. This man had had many visions of Christ and encounters with the Spirit of God. This man wrote most of the New Testament through the Spirit of God. He had a deep acquaintance. What is he saying? That I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Paul didn't quite know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Which it exerts over believers. By the way, that's outflowing and it exerts is in present tense. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually, continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. This is an ongoing process. And Paul says, I want to know him. I want to progressively know more of him, more deeply and more intimately. Do you see the passion in his words? Do you hear the desire of his heart? Is that the desire of your heart? Because what we're talking about here is that you have within you the need to pursue him. And the Christian in this day and age fails to recognize the source of the need or the answer to the need. We seek one-time fillings. We seek one-time events. We seek one-time studies. We want to hit it and be done. We want an allocation. We want to arrive. We don't understand. We want to get on with our living. We want to put this in a rut and follow it. Time after time, we don't get the concept that our purpose for being here is to know Him and to continue learning and knowing Him. Guys, that's what Christians are to be about. To know Him. Now this may seem a little confusing to you because we have Him. 
and we know Him in the sense that He is within us. And the Scripture says that, that we are complete in Christ. So what's Paul talking about? Paul is talking about the need of the soul. God has placed within us an endless desire, an unquenchable thirst for Him. It is the passion of the Spirit of God. You know, we've talked about this before, that the soul is the instrument. The soul is, is designed for us to experience life through. There is a need, we've read in, in Ephesians, be ye continually filled with the Spirit of God. Well, that comes from this desire, this vacuum within us. And it's a desire to know Him. We need to be continually inviting the presence of God into the center of our mind, will, and emotion. This is, this is to be our passion. This is what Christianity is all about. Do we not realize that we have no other purpose on this earth? Do you think you have some other purpose? Do you think your purpose is maybe to, to go to school or to get married or to gain uh, in, in material things? Do you think your purpose is in somehow to, to raise kids to do these? I'm telling you the central purpose of your being is to know Him. And listen, the bottom line of it is that pursuit doesn't stop with death. This is eternal. Do you really think, and this is, this is the, the arrogance of man, to believe that through our religious pursuits that we could somehow fill up with Him and walk away satisfied. We have an enormous capacity for God because He made us to have a capacity for God. But we have to choose Him. That's a determined choice. That is a passionate choice. We are the new creation, created with an endless need for Him, just as the branch always needs the vine. The emptiness that things can leave us with in this life is the need to know Him. Our spirit is satisfied, but the soul, the instrument through which we experience life, should never be. We need rivers of living water to continuously flow. Not to flood us one time, but an unceasing flow, an unceasing supply, not an allocation. The need is distorted in the soul by man and the enemy, but it is never fully satisfied with anything but God Himself. And I'm telling you this, we may want a lot of good things and we may come side by side and say, you know what, I wish that God would allow me to do this or have that or go here or go there. And when we have those things, when we do finally get them, they don't satisfy. You want to know why there are so many marriages, Christian marriages ending in divorce around us? You want to know why so many Christians are in the middle of, of depression and, and, and running towards the world's coping mechanisms? You want to know why Christianity isn't any more fulfilling for so many of the masses out there? I'm going to tell you, because they have refused to recognize that the need of the soul is Jesus. They still believe that the need of the soul is somehow met out here in this world and that Jesus is about getting it there. They still think that when they can delight their ears with, with moving music and when they can fill their hearts with eloquent speech, that somehow the soul's need is met and they can walk off satisfied. But I'm going to tell you something. It is nothing less than the personal presence and intimate interaction with Christ Himself that will fill and satisfy the soul. Nothing less. 
It doesn't matter how much you know about Him. It doesn't matter how many ways you can divide. You may know the spiritual anatomy. You may know the exchange life. You may know what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. But what do you know now? Because that is the truth of relationship. And that is what we were made for. Anything less will never satisfy. We were made for Him. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, David saw the need of his soul for God. David saw the longing within him as the need for God. And he wanted the intimate interaction of his God more than he wanted anything else. David didn't see the need of his soul to be just a kingdom. David didn't see the need of his soul to just be a good army. David first and foremost saw the need of his soul to be filled and in the presence of God. For what you see in the life of David is a passionate pursuit. He was the man that was after God's own heart. Question, you ask, do I have a passion? What am I after? Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.